bad pass to Plum. Here come the Aces on the run. De-Energizer. Looks for Ty Young. Sprints to the hoop. Off the glass and good. Good, good, good. Live in the entertainment capital of the world. Oh, mercy. It's the T.C. Martin Show. Show, show. And here we go. Get ready for the fourth quarter of game number four. It's time to get your daily prescription from the doctor. Hammy's going to let one fly. Chance of Martin. There was six seconds to go, and De-Energizer hit a wild, crazy, improbable three to give the Aces the lead. The doctor is now in. in, in, in. Glad to have you with us. Hour number two, Deuce Thursday. Looking forward to the Aces game tonight against the Chicago Sky. And again, they can get tickets. They're opening it back up. So get ready for the playoffs. The Aces in second place with uh, a two-game lead over the defending champ, the Seattle Storm. And tonight against the Chicago Sky, even though the Aces will not have Liz Cambage, she is out, COVID-19, been placed on the WNBA's health and safety protocols. Hopefully she doesn't listen to Joe Rogan. Yeah. She is fully vaccinated, experiencing some mild symptoms. She'll continue to isolate, and she'll be cleared to return. Uh, hopefully very, very soon. Dierica Hamby will not play as well, too, because of her injury that she suffered last week. She's got a left ankle injury. But the Aces, 19-7, and seven, sitting in nice spot right now. You want to garnish one of the top two spots in the WNBA playoffs to get the double bye. They sit in second right now. Um, and we'll see what happens tonight against the Chicago Sky team that is very good with great guard play and, of course, one of the best players uh, in the history of the WNBA, Candace Parker, as well. So expect a great game uh, tonight. Uh, again, a little programming note. If you want to listen to the game, uh, instead of ESPN 1100, 100.9 FM, down the dial, our old station, uh, Fox Sports Radio, uh, 98.9 FM, 1340 AM, pregame at 630. I got a great conversation with De-Energizer, D.R.K. Hamby, and Bill Lambeer. So we'll talk to them in the pregame and then tip off at 7 o'clock tonight. But, Something tells me that um, when she sees those uniforms, she remembers that shot every time. That's right. Yeah, she she alluded to that. So check that out. We'll have some fun uh, with that. And- By the way, next time when something like that happens, could you show a little enthusiasm? <laughs> I'll try again. I- I'll try not to hold back so much. Very nice. Um, You know, athletes have such a routine, you know, on game days. And, you know, being around the aces and, yeah, you see this in the NFL and that sort of thing. But it's really funny because, you know, most teams, they don't even, you know, they won't allow, like, any interviews on game days or that sort of thing. Because, you know, they want to stay focused. And I respect that. You know, so that's why sometimes we've got to do interviews, you know, a day, you know, before for our pregame shows and our broadcasts and and all that sort of thing. And um, so and I do mine with Bill Lambeer sometimes the day of the game or, you know, we do it, you know, right there live and this sort of thing. But so I was thinking about, you know, today with the crazy schedule and everything like uh, maybe I'll have Bill, you know, have Bill come on the show today and you know we'll talk about it. It's like, well, no, I, I can't do that. Why, why not? He goes, because. He goes, i got to take my nap. What? <laughs> and these players all take naps. Now, you understand the players take naps, but Lambeer takes in a nap. Boy, and all these understand. coaches play, play, you know, take, take naps during the middle of the day. I understand Lambeer more than the players. Do you? Lambeer's older. Yeah. <laughs> you need naps. But, but here's the thing. Here's the thing. This is something that started for him way back when as a player, and even though he's coaching – it has continued on. Here's what I gotta we gotta get the big seven footer on. We gotta get Big Bill Cartwright on. And I gotta ask him about his his nap regime. Because, you know, this sounds like this was a a, a, a routine for just about every NBA player, you know, back in the day. And I know a lot of athletes are into the napping business. Now I know these games are at seven o'clock at night. I mean, do you do we really need a nap? We're playing at seven and you're out of there out of the building by ten, ten thirty? If the nap put you in the right frame of mind and you think it's crucial to you getting a victory then yes you need the nap whatever works for you 
is what works for you. So if it's nap time, you know, I don't know if like in kindergarten where you bring your own blanket or something. I assume they go to their hotel or their bed okay. or their house did, or did whatever. You ever, did you ever take a nap before one of your hockey broadcasts? I did not. Okay, see. But then I was generally on the air right up until the game started, too. So, <laughs> hey, I was you know, gonna say, same I mean, with me, right. sleeping on the air, usually a bad thing. Right. Although I've known some DJs that have actually done it. <laughs> well, the big seven-footer, the five-time NBA champ, he is an authority on all things basketball and even some food as well too. I got, where do you stand on the nap thing, my friend? Is, is this routine taking a nap on game day? Well, since I was a high school kid, uh, yeah, every day before every game, you're going to take a nap, and the naps are aren't long. They're going to be maybe an hour, maybe an hour, fifteen minutes. A little chance to uh, just uh, rejuvenate yourself and relax uh, because, you know, you're going to be using a bunch of energy. Uh, but, but, look, it's, it's, it's part of the routine. It's like uh, even still, I use it to save time. So um, lunch is noon, and you know what that is. That's going to be a soup, right? We talk about all the time. It's going to be a soup and a sandwich. And probably something to drink. So for me, as an NBA player, uh, soup, sandwich, nap, the same exact time. Normally, I would eat half my sandwich and then wake up and eat the other half. Shower, same time, same exact time, and get on the bus, same time. And they, as you know, I'm an early guy. Yeah. So that routine uh, is really important. And I'll tell you why. When we first got Tony Kukoc from the Bulls, Tony would tell you he was playing terrible, and he couldn't figure out why. And this is why. His pregame routine, he would have uh, steak, potato, um, a huge spread dessert, wine, and, 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 smoke, and smoke a cigarette. <laughs> so his routine was horrible. So he was so sluggish from his brew game routine. You're like, you're doing what? So after they figured it out, um, he started playing great because your your pregame routine is, is who you are. And some guys are a little superstitious, as I was, especially in high school. Same socks. We all know Michael Jordan had the same pair of shorts on. He wears Carolina shorts. And and Dennis Rodman would take a shower, a shower before the game, every game, and a long shower. Or wondering what the hell is he doing in there? But uh, everybody's got their routine, and, and and what it is to get themselves ready for the game. So it's it's extraordinarily important that you have your routine because if if you don't have it, you kind of feel funky. And and it doesn't make you know athletes. We work out of psycho. Yeah, we want, we want the same feel. We want to uh, give ourselves the same advantage. See, that's life in Croatia, my friend. I mean, you're gonna you're gonna have a steak. You're gonna have some vino, and you're gonna have a cigarette. I mean, that, that's what they do back there. So he comes to the states. I mean, he's looking at you guys like you guys are nuts. You know, plain simple. And it's funny you, you talk about the, the the shower. I see so many players that work up such a heavy sweat during their warm up. And you talk about you took a shower before you got on the bus and you came. I, I understand why Rodman would do that because these guys work up a sweat in the pregame. Getting it fresh yeah. again. Yeah, that's now. We weren't working up a sweat in the pregame uh, when I was playing. Now these guys warm up now, and it's normal too. So I, you know, and they do fine. They they warm up for an hour. Yeah. Well, for us, that's like a waste of energy. That's crazy. Yeah, I agree with that. You know, and you had I had a flashback here when you're talking about what Tony Kukoc would have, you know, before his game. It takes me back to I believe I was what ten years old. Okay, when I was my first Pop Warner football practice. And we had, you know, we went to school during the day and we would have practice at six o'clock at night. And I was so excited to go to practice. And my mom says, okay, you've got to, uh, you know, you've got to have a good meal before you go to practice because that's when we were doing conditioning in August. You know, in those Sacramento days, it would be 110 degrees, right? And uh, she goes, okay. My mom fixed me a T bone steak. 
I had my French fries, probably had a, a Pepsi or some iced tea. We had iced tea a lot, you know, in the house, maybe even some bread, maybe a corn on the cob. And I was ready to go. I had all this energy ready for my very first football practice. Folsom High School, my friend, you know that. You know where that field is. You, you know what I was doing there. And right when we start doing those grass drills, you can imagine what happened, right? Reversal. There is. I had the reversal of fortune before the reversal of fortune was popular. Yeah, yeah. I learned my lesson. And I told moms, we can never have that ever again. So now it's just the Chicago dog. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You you do have to learn what fits. And what fits for one is not what what fits for the other. So, uh, but that's just part of it. But you you need that feel. And, and you know that, is that if you get the same feel going into the game, uh, same feel, that same strength, that same feel that you're rested, that that that, that same feel that you're you know you're you're on the court and, and you just had a great game the last game, you you want the same feel, you know, and 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 sometimes, uh, you know, you you if you had a great game, you put the same pair of shoes on and socks, you don't care. Because you you want that same feel of that great game you just had. So um, I, I can remember one game at USF. I couldn't find my socks, the socks that I wanted. And coach was like, "Well, just wear these socks." I'm like, "Those socks are bad luck." So right when I said they're bad luck, they're like, "Hey, find the socks," because you know, because they know that you know you need that same feel. If something's giving you great luck and uh, you've had great success, you want it. So uh, it's, it's just really important. Maybe that could be part of, uh, uh, you know, what you do in a game. You, you try to take somebody's shoes or try to steal somebody's socks and try to wake somebody up from the nap before the game. Maybe that should be part of it, part of your coaching staff, to be able to try to disrupt the uh, opponent's team. Well, your, your teammate, Steve Kerr, coach of the Golden State Warriors, I mean, he, he backs you up. Steve Kerr uh, said this about Tony Kukoc. He said uh, they went to lunch at, at, at 3 o'clock in the afternoon one day, uh, four hours before tip-off, and he said Kukoc ordered uh, a salad, an appetizer, a huge plate of pasta, chicken, glass of wine, a red wine like you said, uh, and then he had tiramisu, which is a nice little uh, dessert as well, and he followed that up with an espresso. There it is. <laughs> You got it. You nailed it. Well, they, they yeah. did call him the waiter, so apparently he was used to food before every game. So that was over in Europe. And, uh, boy, yeah, so, so did he have that routine the whole time he was in Europe and he was still that highly sought after? The only thing uh, Kurt had mentioned was a cigarette, you know, so. <laughs> yeah, yeah. yeah well, he, I, I think over in Europe there's probably a lot of those guys doing that. So, uh, but no, once he figured it out, though, Man, was that sucker good. He's a really great player. And Kukoc uh, went on to say that in Europe, he goes, yeah, he goes, we eat a lot. We drink a little wine. We have espresso. Then we go back to the hotel, take a big blank, and then we go play. Well, you got to get it out of your system. Yeah. <laughs> wow. I hate to be that guy's roommate. You never roomed with Kukoc, did you? No, we were fortunate that, yeah. that we all had our own. I know, arms. I know, I know, I know. You know, I found that interesting too, Bill, when you were talking about <laughs> looking for the socks when you were at uh, USF, because it, I remember reading, and correct me if I'm wrong, but there were stories that Pistol Pete Maravich wore the same socks that he wore at LSU that he wore them under his other pair of socks his entire NBA career as well, because those were his lucky socks. Yeah, yeah, and then that's probably absolutely correct. You know, like I said, once you get that feel, you got the same feel, you got the same uh, uh, comfort zone when you're out there of a play, which is what it's all about. That's what you're looking for to start the game. You want to feel comfortable. You you want to feel something that you felt before. So once you get it, you're, you're good to go. So if, I, if I've got my lucky socks... And, and it says it right there. I got my lucky socks. I've got my lucky sweatband. Yeah, on. yeah, Mr. Superstitious over there. That's what it says. Yeah, and, and, and I know you because this is how you are with everything. It's like 
you know, we talk, start talking about USF game, and we're talking about, you know, even what the point spread is. Not even betting on USF. And this guy starts throwing, whoa, 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 that's, that's, that's bad juju. Stop that. And this is the way this bad guy mojo. is. Yeah. Can't, you you can't go off the menu. You cannot go off the menu here. You go off the menu. Yeah. Whoa, whoa, whoa. Don't do that. Well, of course, you would say that that's the wrong thing to do because every time you go in, you go to a Dodger game and get stuff that's not on the menu. So you go off the menu all the time. <laughs> I love going off the menu. Absolutely. I love creating my own menu there. Hey, you said go back to high school. Seriously, you were taking naps in, in, at, right, right after school before a game at Elk Grove? Are you kidding me? This nap thing started in high school? That's the concern in high school. No, and look, and we, and, and we had a coach that was worse than that. So our coach, our coach Dan Risley in high school, um, this is an absolute true story. When he first got there, there was a, um, a, a, a teacher there who thought it would be funny to flip him off before the game. <laughs> so he flipped him off, and he looked at him, and then they won the game. So he insisted that the guy flip him off every single game. That's an absolute true story. Well, he was telling him he was number one. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, you got to go with what works. I don't know how you guys so sleep in the middle of the day. I, I, I can't, and especially taking, like, to set a time or something, to say an hour nap. I can't. I've never done that. I could, I've tried to do it a few times. Can't do it. Well, I had some friends that used to take naps, but that was during class sometimes. So, right? You know. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, even, like, like, in radio, I've worked every shift imaginable. Morning drive, middays, mornings, afternoon drive, overnights. nights, overnights. Worked them all. And doing overnight, I tried to sleep during the day. I couldn't do it. I couldn't do it. it. It was hard getting into that routine. It's like, hey, try to take a nap at 2 o'clock in the afternoon. or yeah. Maybe you should have had lunch with Tony Kukos, and that would have worn you out a little bit, and you'd have found it easier to take a nap. That's it. There it is. There my, my Croatian brother, Kakosi. <laughs> Dobro, Kakosi T. I love it. There it is. Maybe, maybe have a little wine with that. All right. So you mentioned Rodman taking a shower. Anybody else? Uh, give us give us a, a, a very strange or or unique uh, you know pregame ritual, no matter what it would be. Well, some guys have their ritual, but but, this, but some things are really bad habits. There's, there's I, I I I know there's players that play for Pat Riley, and apparently Pat Riley wanted you focus for the game, and they were reading a book before the game. Pat Riley didn't like it and, and didn't play him that game because they, they they were reading a book before the game. So yeah, bizarre things like that to where you know your coach could be psycho, and uh, uh, so you got to be able to adapt to that. So Pat Riley didn't like people reading books, and Phil Jackson gave him books to read. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Uh, Big Bill Cartwright joins us, uh, the five-time NBA champ, talking about uh, some of these athletes' uh, rituals, routines, craziness. Uh, you know, call it what you want. Uh, crazy stuff, man. All right, uh, so you've been taking some uh, trips back and forth to, to Chi-Town, summertime. What have you been doing the last couple of weeks? We haven't, t- we haven't chatted with you for a while. I've been doing the right thing. I've been... Uh... Back in San Francisco, I've been watching our dance practice, guys and gals, and watching our volleyball team go at it. Uh, I'm just rejuvenated because these, these these kids are young. They're, you know, 18 to 21 years old. They bring me a lot of energy, a lot of juice. Uh, so I'm just really happy to be back up here. So, uh, unfortunately, my summer's about over. No more golf. No more tennis. It's back to work, baby. It's back to work to get it right for our dons. Hey, uh, does, does Froggies have a Kukoc special on the menu? Maybe you should uh, institute that. Um, not yet. Not yet. <laughs> See, that's crazy to me. I, I would think you'd want a TC special before. Uh, oh, I would. I would. I would. I definitely. I'd lo- I'd lo- you know what that would be. I'll tell you exactly what that would be. That would be the French onion soup, okay, going into the filet mignon, Okay, uh, you know, with uh, with all the sides that go with it, and uh, probably 
I don't know what is the signature dessert at Froggy's. I I can't remember. You guys, you guys always usually like rotate it or whatever. But give me a signature dessert. That would be the TC special at Froggy's. Ice pudding. Yeah, see, I'm not a rice pudding guy. You know, we get, see, to- and it, 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 it's your thing on the menu, so you should name it. You okay. once again, you're going off the menu, so go off the menu and name the damn dessert. Okay, I need the dessert. I want a peach cobbler on there. Okay, that, 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 we're not south. You said I can make make it myself. I said we incorporate. I'm sure people in France dip into the peach cobbler. Does apple make you feel better? Tony Kukos probably played over in France. Yeah, right. Sure he did. <laughs> a- absolutely. I don't, I don't think they got cobbler in France. They call it something else. Oh, okay. Like I said, we're not, we're not, we're not down south there. Okay, all right. Well, I gotta have my French fries. You know that. So with my fillet, I need my French fries. There you go. It well, French well, froggies. Well, you, know, you know what we can fresh do cut, that, but fresh cut potatoes. There's no, there's no French fries in France, but <laughs> but for you, we would do that. How about some French toast? I mean, they have to have French toast and French fries in France. What are you talking about? It's French. No, French isn't a name. No. What are you talking about? No, you're talking about American French. <laughs> Well, go friend, friend. You go over there. They'll look at you like you're crazy. Hey, uh, speaking of crazy, you're still not rooting for these Dallas Cowboys this year, are you? Uh, of course I am. Jeez. Oh, okay. Give us, this, give us your thoughts. This, this Have you been watching Hard Knocks? This is this is what I know. Everybody who claims not to be a Cowboys fan, this is what they do. They take their team score. And then they want to know how the Cowboys did. <laughs> so I'm I'm very pleased because even the people claim that they don't love the Cowboys, they're still watching them. I, I can't help themselves. I don't know what there is to watch. Dak Prescott, Ezekiel Elliott, uh, you know, oh. asking for baby powder on his cooch, uh, that sort of thing. Yeah, that, that's exactly. What, what I need? I need Ezekiel Elliott in my life. That's what I need. Where's Ezekiel Elliott? Where's he at? He's on the oh, sidelines. He's probably collecting be beads someplace, hated, bro. <laughs> so much, so much hate. So much hate. Don't worry about the, it. Guys are goofball. What are you talking about? These guys are goofballs. Guys, 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 a great player. I mean, I, I watch the Cowboys if they're playing on Thursday night or Monday night football, but if everybody's playing at the same time, that I have other go-to teams and myself. Yes. yes. Everybody wants to know how the Cowboys are going. That's just how it is. I don't know. I, has anyone alerted you that uh, you know, Drew Pearson isn't playing for the Cowboys anymore? Roger Staubach's not, not suiting up anytime soon. You know, Has anyone pointed that out to you? Emmett Smith is no longer there. He, he wasn't even there for part of the time he was still playing. Right. <laughs> So uh, let me ask you a question. Since you're in Vegas, are, are we all Raiders fans now? Is that the deal? Nope. No, 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 <laughs> no. no, no. You got to remember now, the Raiders are transplants, okay? They're transplants. They, they're, they're, they came from Oakland now or L.A. or Oakland again. I mean, take, <laughs> your, take your pick. Well, in case you, you, don't, you don't know this, that's where you live. Yes, Why are you supporting your your local team. I support. I, I support the local team absolutely. But as a, a member of the media, again, you know we're we're obje- uh, objective here. You don't you don't root for teams, but we support them. We cover them. We tell it like it is. Today earlier, uh, I I complimented them for signing KJ Wright, Denzel Perryman. They've uh, bolstered their defense. Nice moves. We'll see how that you know translates. If it translates into better defense and success for for the Raiders, but yes, we like to see the Raiders do well. No, no question about it. That's that's good for our town and our economy. Economy. But you got to remember that this is a team who's playing their second year here, and that stadium is going to be filled with fans from other teams as well too. Because again, they're they're not homegrown. That's the way it is. I say there's anything wrong with you. Just ask me if the everyone's Raider fans, and no, everyone's not Raider fans. Yeah. But that's not a that's not a, a great uh, you know comparison that you gave me there. And, and a lot of people that are Raider fans are Raider fans and still fans of their other team. I, like yeah. for instance, I'm from Chicago. I'm always going to be a Bears fan, Go so Bears! I'm not going to discard them just because the Raiders now happen to be in the city that I reside in at this point in my life. Yeah, I'm just saying. I'm just saying that. 
that city has never had a professional football team. And it's right there. And it's a great, it's got a great history. They've won championships. It's right in front of you. And you're going to cover it. Why wouldn't you be a fan? That's the confusing part. I would love, I would love the Raiders to win. I would love the Raiders to win. I'll leave it at that. But see, you're talking to the wrong guy. I'm not a fan of any team. I mean, I got rid of my fandom, you know, when I was a kid. So, but that that nothing against anybody who's a fan. I'm just, I'm more of a fan of just the sport itself, or I'm more of a fan of the last team that covers for me. Or you're a fan of people that, like wherever Dusty Baker's going Correct. or something like that. Right. Personal relationship yes. you have, and like you said, Supporting in Vegas, yes. a lot of people are fans of who they have the ticket on that night. Right, or yeah, whoever you know, is playing for their fantasy football team, that changes every year. You know, we see that all the time. Uh, they fight against each other the same night with their different leagues. Right, it's true. <laughs> they exactly. can be a fan of both teams on the field. Right, right. Well, good. That means to me, it sounds like you they, they, you're a uh, Raiders fan. Now, you, you use the term uh, fan again. Again, you you want to attach something to to my name, which I'm not saying that. Again, you you want to do that. I can't. I just. I we're saying the same thing. I would love the Raiders to win. Root root for the home team. Great. All right, but I don't. I don't attach fan. I'm not going to sit there and paint my chest silver and black. I'm not going to sit there and wear uh, silver and black. I'm not going to get a license plate that says "Go Raiders." I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to rename my dog the Death Star or whatever, you know, like you might do. Yeah. For for the city you know, of Las Vegas, it's good if the Raiders win. For us locally doing sports talk radio, it's good to have that on-air yes, fodder. Yes. But it doesn't necessarily make you a fan. It's just if they win, cool. And if not, it's not like it's devastating yeah, either. I'm not going to be heartbroken. Again, like the Packers, you know. Yeah, I was a Packer fan when I was growing up, and I don't care if they, they win or lose or whatever. And when I was back there, I, 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 I rooted for them. Because, again, like when you work for a team or you cover a team, of course you want them to win because then you can get the perks. You get, you get more money, okay? You might get a Super Bowl ring. You know, the organization might, might do that for you. So those are a little different circumstances too. I don't think so. It's not, it sounds like to be you guys are at least closet fans. And come on, and we and we all know from being on the show that you have you still got hate because of Brett Favre. So you were a fan when you were out there. <laughs> if you say so, there you go. We'll just we'll just leave it at that. All I know is uh, you you probably changed uh, the name of your dog from a Judge over to Jerry because you're such a cowboy fan. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna sit here. I'm gonna sit Aaron Rodgers over to your house, and we'll see how we'll see how that conversation goes. <laughs> <You're good. laughs> well, in, unless there's TV cameras there, from what TC's told me, he ain't showing up anyway. So, <laughs> see, now that's just eight. And that's what I like. Now that's passion. That means that means you're, you that means you like it or you don't. So, I'm bam. You're bam. That's all I'm saying. All right, you you played in the league. You don't have a favorite NBA team, do you? Uh, like you, I would love for the Kings to win. Uh, probably more than anything else. Okay. I probably still watch the Kings. I watch the Bulls. The Bulls are going to do really well this year. Would you call yourself a fan, though? I am a fan of basketball. Well, you said just what I said. <laughs> so, but, but I would love to see the Kings win. That that would probably I'm probably more of a Kings fan. Did we just say else. you and I both we'd love to see the Raiders win? Okay, working in Green Bay, love yeah. to see them win. But said, don't attach fan. I'm trying to attach fan to you, but you won't say you're a fan of the Kings. I just did. You're a fan of the Kings. Yeah. Oh, okay. I'm okay with that. Okay. You, I don't know. All right. Maybe, maybe that's something you should get over. I do. I do have friends of mine. That's who, cool, but uh, again, it's different. When you're in the media, it, you're you're not allowed to be a fan. You're, no cheering in the press you box. Can't, you can't. You can't wear the color. You can't do it. It's just you're supposed to be objective. So you're you're not in the media, even though you're on this show. So I guess you could be on the media. There you go. Well, you got a media credential for the tournament out here, Annette. That's so. true. That's true. I don't know what that was. I don't know if that was uh, just a food pass or whatever he had. It's just human nature. You can't help it. Human nature, Michael Jackson. There you go, brother. All right. There you go. That's what we had to equate it with the song. There you go. And to find, find the right song, and we're good to go. All right. 
You know, well, we, we had plenty of right songs on Friday. And, uh, you know, kudos for you for picking out a good James Brown song as well, too. Yes, I love that. I love human nature. I love MJ. All right, Big Seven Footer, go enjoy your red wine, your steak, and don't forget that cigarette. No, he's going to pass on the cigarette. He's going to go with the cigar. The post-game routine. The post-game routine for this guy definitely, I guarantee, was scotch and cigars, wasn't it? Uh, no, not back then. Not playing. Okay. <laughs> that, 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 that happened later when I tortured myself, Coach. All right. But by the way, he's going with the rice pudding and not the peach cobbler. <laughs> right. <laughs> there you go. He likes a good peach cobbler. We all like there you some, go. Some apple pie. All right, my man. When we, when we get your froggies, that's the first thing you're getting is the rice pudding. Mm, oh, froggies. I love a froggies. I got to get back to froggies. On Guess what? Green Bay Avenue. You got to love it. Yeah, hop to it. <laughs> all right, brother. Be good, man. Thanks for the time today. We'll catch you later. All right, guys. Ladies and gentlemen, that was nap time, presented by probably Best Mattress or whatever, in the Big 7-footer, Big Bill Cartwright, or Mattress Mac from Houston. Who only bet a million dollars on the Astros? I'm just wondering if Phil Jackson ever gave him a book that put him to sleep to help him with his nap time. (laughs) The Zen Master. (laughs) We shall return. Scott Spritzer looks into his crystal ball with college football selections next. Was that a song by Styx, Crystal Ball? Uh, It was. around your door and more of what you're looking for with the Dr. T.C. Martin. All right, plenty of college football on tap tonight. Ohio State, Minnesota. Kind of a marquee game. And then uh, more action tomorrow. And I love it. we got game Saturday. we got game Sunday. we got a standalone game on Monday. you got to love it, man. Monday Night Football before Monday Night Football. Yeah. Starts a little bit earlier, but uh, usually a very good game on, on Monday as well, too. We dive into it with our good friend, Scott Spritzer, Doc Sports. What's going on, brother? What's going on, guys? Hey, hey, hey. What do you got to say, man? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I don't know if you were on the Nebraska Cornhuskers uh, that game last week. I know we talked about it, but, man, uh, you, you called it. You said, we don't know what to expect. We thought that you know Scott Frost would... Have this team ready to go, but Scott, it didn't happen, man. What What is your take? Uh, you know, six days later after watching that, as Scott Frost said, same old movie. Yes, you know, and it was a situation where you know it's funny. And a lot of Nebraska's losses under Scott Frost, they're leading in the first half of the game, first quarter and a half. They hold a lead. They're doing a great job of preparing. They're doing a a, a job greater than F when it comes to in game adjustments. And I think it tells you a lot from a coach and his staff when one of the things the coach says when he's first questioned in his post-game presser is, well, you know, uh, Bielema always uses a 43, or excuse me, a 34. We prepared for the 34, and he comes out in a 43, and half our game plan went out the window. So adjustments? <laughs> it's like it was pretty telling, I thought, when he said that. I was, I was really surprised. Um, he certainly was candid. And that might not have been a good thing with all the heat coming down on them right now. But, you know, again, you've got three plays that change the course of that game. They're up, you know, 9-2 to two at one point, And they're, uh, in fact, you know, if it wasn't for a very just ridiculously stupid fielding of a punt inside the one-yard line, that led to the safety. And then they're still up 9-2. to two, And, you know, you've got a chance to do some damage. And then at the end of the half, you got the ball at midfield. You call a weird play call at that point of the game. Your quarterback gets sacked, fumble, touchdown the other way in the final minute. Just kind of changed the complexion of that game. They actually outgained Illinois by about 80 yards in the contest. Little misleading, though, because 75 yards on a, were gained on one run on a scramble by Adrian Martinez. It wasn't really within the context of the game. You know, it's funny because it was two series into the game, guys. I'm going wow, they just looked like they didn't prepare. We found out afterwards it's because they didn't know what to do when they prepared for one defensive look and got another, and they were not making any holes in the defensive line. They looked like they were completely confused. We found out after the game why. That's one of those things where, okay, you're confused for a quarter, maybe even a half, and then your coaches do the right thing and make the right adjustments, and you get back out there and kick some butt. And, again, it was just mental miscues and errors, and, 
hard to imagine that this far into it now, what is this year four or whatever for Frost, that they would still be unable to make those adjustments when something doesn't quite show up the way they thought it would. Yeah, it's like year four for Frost and year seven for Martinez, it seems like, back there. He's, he should have his master's degree by now. But why, I mean, when I see him as a quarterback, and all I've heard since the first day he went there was, this kid's got skill, he's got skill. I see him as a running back playing quarterback. He still can't, he still doesn't have accuracy when he passes the ball. Yeah, I saw right off the bat in the first series that his, you know, he, he suffered a couple of major shoulder injuries early in his career at Nebraska. And if you watched even his first completion, I think it was like a third and five, they gained about 20 yards out to about midfield on the opening possession, and the ball just floated. He was throwing it to the right side of the field, outside the numbers. Pass was maybe 10, 15 yards downfield. It took forever to get there. And even the announcer himself said, man, that looked more like a punt than a pass and was fortunate that it was bad coverage and completed rather than picked off. And right away I'm going, man, his, I don't think he's ever recovered from the injuries he took in his sophomore year especially. And you'll remember he came out you know, highly touted out of high school. Uh, his sophomore year going into it, he was one of the top six or seven preseason Heisman candidates with very short odds, and he just got banged up. He got hurt. One of the worst things Nebraska did was – go with a tight end at center in the first two seasons. And I've talked about this on your show, guys, many times back then, you know, is that half, it seems not half, but probably five or six snaps per game when Martinez is lined up, you know, five, six yards behind center were way over his head. And it either went over his head and he had to jump on the ball or he had to leap high into the air and pull the pass, uh, pull the snap down. And in a timing offense, it throws off the offense five or six times a game. You can't afford to do that. Maybe once a game, but not half a dozen. And this center that was in position this particular start last week is that same center. He's better at snapping the football, but to see how confused they were just because a team played one defense that, and you prepared for another and no adjustments were made were a question mark. But again, back to Amart, to Adrian Martinez, I just don't think he's ever recovered from the injuries he took his first couple of years. Yeah, I agree. And he missed a wide open, uh, you know, touchdown, overshot a receiver. Uh, like I said, just the accuracy was not there. He had the one nice, you know, with a 45-yard completion in the first half. I thought, okay, that's a nice ball. And, but then again, he couldn't connect on, on the simple ones after that. But again, yeah, Nebraska still, like you said, Scott, same old movie. Uh, tonight, Ohio State, Minnesota. Buckeyes, a two-touchdown favorite here. You know, Minnesota was kind of Jekyll and Hyde-ish, you know, last year. I don't know if it was just because of COVID or what the deal is. Uh, any value with a, a two-touchdown dog at home in the Gophers tonight? You had 20 guys back, right? 20 starters back for uh, the Golden Gophers. And, and by the way, there's as many books that have 13 and a half that have 14. So, you know, shop around depending on who you're going to play in this game. Uh, the problem is for Minnesota, as you mentioned, was it – the you know the situation the team was in and they didn't handle it well last year with the pandemic and you know the defense was absolutely pathetic last year they gave up about 30 points per game talking about Minnesota and so now you know they've got to get themselves ready to take on a team that lost Justin Fields there's no doubt that there's a little bit of a step down no matter how good Stroud is he's probably not going to come out and play as well as Fields did for this offense but every, but that doesn't mean he's a bad quarterback he's an excellent quarterback. This team is loaded at the skill positions. Uh, wide receiving core for Ohio State, the best in the country in all of college football. Stack them up against any, one, any other wide receiving core in college football. Ohio State's the best on the receivers. And so I'm looking at this, and I'm looking at the running game, the offensive line, the way it blocks, and I'm like, boy, if Minnesota was just not good, if it didn't have much to do with the fact of what everybody was going through with COVID last year, uh, they could get you know, knocked around pretty good and popped in the chops quite a bit in this game and give up a lot of points. I mean, seven games last year, you give up 30 points per game on average. So it has me leaning. I, not enough to make a bet, but it has me leaning towards the Buckeyes. And you also have to wonder, you know, okay, in 2019, uh, they kind of shot over their heads a little bit with that 11-2 season, and then everybody expected them, even with the pandemic last year, uh, to go 6-1 and one at least in those seven games. And again, they finished below 500. So how much of the 2019 campaign was good fortune? How much was great coaching and great playing on the field? That remains to be seen. But a lean to me on Ohio State, guys, I made this line 15.5. So it's just a little touch over where the line is and not enough for me uh, to jump in and make a play. 
I'd like to know, Scott, where you initially made the UNLV Eastern Washington line because we saw this thing, you know, open up basically around double digits, I guess. And then now we've seen Eastern Washington come as a one point favorite. Money has been one sided, it's been nonstop. And uh, we have no idea really what UNLV is all about. We don't know what the quarterback situation is. Marco, uh, Marcus Arroyo, he really plays everything kind of close to the vest here. And, uh, it's, you know, this is a UNLV team where the under-over is, is one and a half. Uh, how do you handicap this game, uh, you know, touch on that, and then also talk about this monstrous line over the last couple of days? Yeah, the books, I mean, the, the 10 that you saw up there was an absolute mistake. I mean, really was a mistake. And it's lucky uh, for books that had that, that they have such low limits on some of these, you know, extra board games, so to speak. Some of them don't. Uh, but, you know, I, I originally thought Eastern Washington's a play. I made them a one-point favorite in this game, one, one and a half, as far as the power ratings were concerned, and knew right away that the books had made a mistake when they hung a double-digit line. And, uh, you know, so I look at this game and I'm thinking, all right, what, what are these teams going to do? Well, Eastern Washington's going to come out and they want to throw the football as much as possible. They want to see if UNLV can cover better than they have over the past 15 football seasons. The good thing for Marcus Arroyo you know, it's like I was doing a show yesterday out of town, and I was saying, you know, this is something I can't remember seeing more than three or four times in two decades. UNLV has depth on defense, and it's not bad. They've got a bunch of returning starters on the defensive side of the football. They have depth, and I'm not talking they're going to challenge, you know, the top of the Mountain West Conference, but relatively speaking to the UNLV program, they have guys on defense who are on the second unit who can step up, and there's not a drop-off from the first unit. So that's something we haven't been able to say in a long time. Offensively, again, a lot of question marks, but I would expect Arroyo to come out. He's been talking about a balanced offense, and I think you're going to see that. And in this particular game, you want to keep the ball out of the hands of the Eastern Washington passing game. So I think you're going to see him try to develop that ground game first. They would rather you know, ground and pound a little more than put the ball in the air, I'm sure, and keep that clock moving, keep Eastern Washington's offense off the field. I think by the time it's all said and done, I think it's going to be a pretty close game. I think Eastern Washington wins the football game, so uh, obviously I'm agreeing with the movement that came in today and moved UNLV from a short favorite to a short dog. I also played – the one thing I did like in this game more than anything else was under. It was 67. It's now down to 65 and a half, 66. I do think it's going to be a you know, 28 to 24, 30 to 27 type of game, so I do like it to stay under. Although it's only the first game of the season, TC mentioned that the over-under win total for UNLV is only one and a half. How crucial is this game for UNLV that they get a victory here to assure that? Or if Eastern Washington does win the game, do you see two other games on the Rebel schedule that you think that they could win to go over that title? Because it doesn't sound like a lot, but with UNLV's football program the last several seasons, uh, there's a reason that number is where it is. Yeah, there's a reason for it. And here's the thing. UNLV is going to be a better football team this year than we've seen over the past few seasons, but that schedule is going to bite them in the rear end. If they lose this game tonight, I mean, you've got at Arizona, home Iowa State, at Fresno, three straight losses, home Utah State, and they might come within a touchdown there. Home San Jose ain't going to happen. San Jose is a legit football program now. They won't win against Reno. Um, you know, New Mexico is going to be close, but New Mexico will beat them. I think San Antonio will get past them. I think one more win, guys, on the schedule is about all you can kind of maybe count on, and that would be Hawaii, which comes in mid-November. It is home at Allegiant Stadium. And listen, we saw last week that everything Hawaii did right last year was probably a fluke. I mean, they were terrible last week. That could have been a 64-10 to game if UCLA wanted it to be. So, uh, Eastern Washington and Hawaii are there probably their two uh, best chances for wins. If you look at the point spreads, it comes out that way also. Uh, if you look at it, and I'm talking about now that we've seen Hawaii, I'm not talking about before the season. Before the season began, guys, I'll leave it at this. I had UNLV favored by less than, excuse me, not favored. I had UNLV as an underdog in every game, and I had them as a single-digit underdog in only two games this entire year, one of them being tonight, uh, the other one being Texas-San Antonio, where I made them a six-point road dog. Uh, and again, now I've changed my thoughts on Hawaii a little bit. But again, you know, you're talking before the season began last week for some teams, UNLV to me was a single-digit dog in two games, double-digit dog in every other game.
All right, Scott Spritzer joins us, Doc Sports, talking a little college football. Scott, uh, you mentioned UCLA. They're hosting LSU, and uh, Chip Kelly's teams have definitely disappointed on the hot seat a little bit here. Ed Ogeron comes in, and uh, again, they're training Maybe a little uh, you know, disruptive because of the hurricane back there. Uh, they had a similar situation back in Katrina where they came and they played Arizona State uh, many, many years ago, and that was a close game. How do you view this game here? Because it, it, is, a, it is a close game when it comes to you know, two and a half is the number here, but we know if you line up you know, talent, you line up history here, you would think LSU slight lean, but is that really the case? Yeah, they're laying, what, two and a half to three right now. They, they were as high as a four and a half point favorite at LSU. So if you like UCLA, you have lost some value with it being from four and a half down to two and a half and three. Um, listen, first of all, I'm watching the game last week, a little bit of it. I had the under. I, I, I admit it. I got lucky to win that one. It was 54 points on the board with like four minutes to go in the third quarter. The total was 67. So I kind of thought there was going to be two more touchdowns on the board and I would lose it. So got fortunate and won that one because nobody scored – over the final 19, 20 minutes of the game, UCLA kind of packed it in and didn't really try hard to score. But what I took from that game was there were, they, they said there were 30,000 fans at the Rose Bowl. There were maybe 15 to 18,000. And I know UCLA fans will kind of show up for LSU. I've been to the Rose Bowl for UCLA home games when they've taken on marquee teams, and the fans are usually outnumbered. So if this would have been a situation where LSU comes into this game without having Hurricane Ida last week and without people having to deal with that in Baton Rouge and New Orleans and all that kind of stuff, I, I think they would have had – there probably would have been 70,000 fans at this game and probably 45,000 would have been LSU fans. So that does kind of change up a little bit. I don't expect to see that big of a difference now with what has happened. Also, LSU had to spend their week practicing in Houston rather than where they normally practice in Baton Rouge. And I think that's brought in some of the people's thoughts as far as the tickets are concerned, betting on UCLA, besides the fact that UCLA looked dominant last week against Hawaii. The thing that bothered me about Chip Kelly last week is you've got a returning quarterback who has to prove himself as a disciplined passer but he, and become more accurate. And they had their chance, I mean, to really go out and do something. I know they don't want to show LSU everything, but when you're blowing a team away and it's, game one of the season, and there's no chance that if you make a mistake, that team is going to beat you. Don't you have to put the ball in the air a little bit more with your starting quarterback to see if he's ready to go for next week against LSU? He only threw for 130 yards in that game. All we saw was Hawaii mistakes, a terrible Hawaii football defense, and then we saw UCLA getting breaks and capitalizing. I didn't see anything out of UCLA that made me think, okay, they're ready to uh, put up a strong fight and beat SEC top-notch football programs. And again, it's, having said it, you got LSU, you got the letdown after the national championship. Was Bo Pelini the reason for this defense being so bad, or, or was it just a, a situation of scheming from the top coach right down to Bo Pelini and the players themselves? We'll find that out this week. But again, more than a field goal, I thought UCLA, maybe you want to jump in there and take them at this point. With LSU guys laying two and a half, just two and a half, that money line is as low as a buck forty, and I would say if you're going to play LSU, lay the money line, lay the dollar forty rather than the two and a half or the three. All right, Scott, real quick, uh, give us a couple games that uh, on your docket, on your radar for Saturday. Yeah, guys, I'm going to jump on Kansas State this week on Saturday. I don't have any plays tonight. I did. I had uh, uh, Rutgers tonight. It got uh, rained out. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to jump on my first play. will be on Saturday morning on K-State over Stanford. Now, the line has moved since I first made the play, but I still like it because it's three. And it has jumped up a couple of points, but it hasn't gone over that key number of three quite yet. So folks can you know, run out and jump on that if they wish. Uh, but as far as the game is concerned, I mean, listen, Stanford's got a bunch of people who are gone from last year's team. You've got a new quarterback. You've got a top receiver who, who is no longer there. You've got your center who's brand new. I always look for teams with new centers and new quarterbacks. You've got a wide receiver, the top one coming back, who's going to miss this football game. K-State gets back Skylar Thompson, one of the top returning quarterbacks in the Big 12. He's back in the mix. They have a ton of starting experience on both sides of the line of scrimmage, and it is in Dallas. It's a Jerry World, but K-State fans will totally outnumber Stanford fans in this one. They travel real well, and it's not that far of a drive from Manhattan, Kansas. So I think K-State ends up winning that game by about 7 to 10 points. All right. Anything else you like? Uh, we got Alabama, a, a big battle against Miami, and a big favorite as well, too. 
Yeah, lean towards the under in this one, guys. And, and if I get involved yet, it'll be probably the under. But listen, I, here's the thing. Manny Diaz, he's going to call the shots on defense. The head coach of Miami this year, he's got nine starters back. Uh, they were railroaded by a couple of teams last year uh, on, on the defensive side of the football. But here's the problem. They're hyping Manny Diaz calling the shots now on defense. I remember him when he was at the job at Texas. It was feast or famine. You know, Texas looked great one minute on defense. They looked horrible the next. So we'll see if that works. But, guys, I think Bama's going to end up winning this game by about the point spread. I have them winning by 21. I do believe it's going to stay under the posted total. That's what I think is the best play in this game. Bryce Young, new face of Bama quarterback, comes in with more hype than the last three Bama quarterbacks as they were coming in. But I think it's going to take a little time to get used to Bill O'Brien's style of offensive play calling as opposed to Sark. And I also think, you know, having another three offensive coaches that are brand new with O'Brien, it'll just take a little bit of time for Bama to really get it together on offense. All right, great stuff, Scott. You can check him out at DocSports.com, see Scott's plays there and all the rest of the handicappers. But uh, my man, definitely on top of it and love having him on here. It doesn't matter what season it is. Uh, talking with Scott Spritzer, Doc Sports. All right, brother, be good, man, and we'll uh, talk to you very, very soon. Good luck, guys. Have a good one. There he is. All right, good stuff. Again, uh so many games, so many great games, uh, you know, coming up. Uh, you know, Notre Dame is in action this weekend, too. They're going to, you know, have that Sunday game. Uh, looking forward to that. Well, Georgia-Clemson is gigantic. Georgia-Clemson is the marquee game. And, again, you know, Alabama-Miami as well, too. Uh, you know, Miami's coming there thinking they have a shot. Uh, but, again, you're talking about Jekyll and Hyde with, with that team. And I'm, I, I saw Bryce Young when he was uh, in high school. And uh, I know Nick Saban loves him. I think he's going to be the next, you know, great Alabama quarterback. Fall in line with, with Jalen Hurts and Tua and, and, again, what Mac Jones did last year. So uh, looking forward to that. And it's interesting they say that, too, because Alabama, as great as they've been, they haven't always had the greatest quarterbacks. They, they've usually had such good teams that whoever quarterbacks could manage a game and, and win with the defense and the skill position players they've had. Now the best quarterbacks are going down there as well, and that's one of the reasons why every single season – Alabama's one of, if not the favorite, to win everything. Yeah, and, and Alabama has really adjusted to, to the way the college game has unfolded now. I mean, again, with their offense and, and the way they're running things like that. Before, it was just you know a lot of ground and pound with the great running backs they have. But now, I mean, great wide receivers. We've seen a long tradition of that. And now great quarterbacks as well, too. So appreciate- and they still don't have a salary cap. That's true. <laughs> appreciate Scott Spritzer for joining us today, as well as Chuck Esposito talking about the gaming side. A lot more of that coming your way tomorrow when we are back at the Cosmopolitan in Las Vegas. Come on out. And check out the show live. There it is uh, as we kick it off our style tomorrow. Here we go. First part of September. We're back with college football. So join us at the Cosmopolitan. Also appreciate the big seven-footer, Big Bill Cartwright, for joining us today as well, too. For Ballpark Frank, T.C. Martin saying so long. We're looking forward to being at the Cosmopolitan on Fridays. We'll see you there. If you miss any part of the show, you know where to go. Go to the website. It is all there for you at tcmartinshow.com.